Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back, everybody. It's the Retro Futures Culture. I am Optimus. Today, we are going to be talking about the legacy of Tron. Tron is a multimedia series started in 1982 with a feature film. Today, I'm very, very excited to have host of Tony's Tall Tales right here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Tony himself, we're going to talk about Tron. Tony, how the hell are you, sir? I'm great, man. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited about this uh, episode. Um, Big fan of Tron. Can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. I'm closer to fifty than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Me too, um, brother. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I was probably I can't remember if it was my birthday when I turned six or seven. It was sometime between eighty three and eighty four. And it was a birthday party we had at my house, and we had my friends over, and there were toys. And I remember one of the things is we had just gotten a VHS player, and my mom or dad grabbed some movies from the video store, and one of them was Tron. Nice. And I think just they saw it visually, and it was Disney, right? Yeah. Tron was released by Disney Pictures in 82. And um, and then we got the VHS, and we, I watched it at home, and I was floored by the visuals of that movie. I couldn't believe what i was watching it it just it just looked so cool and so futuristic is very different than anything else i had seen to that point and that really imprinted my little brains you know six or seven year old brain and uh over the years i just always went back to that as something that just was fascinating to me and then of course there was also the the arcade game which i didn't love as much (laughs) as the movie but um, the second arcade game, Discs of Tron, which came later, I really, really liked. We can get into that later. But, um, you know, and then, you know, there was nothing, yeah. right? <sighs> Cobwebs, nothing. Um, you know, I would always, I would rewatch Tron every couple of years. I had it on DVD or I had it on VHS and then they released it on DVD. And then there were rumors. And then there was an announcement and then there was a fucking trailer for a second movie. And I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? I gotta go see this right away. So as soon as the second one came out, I, I hit the theater day one and I was, I loved the second movie. That's awesome. Um, What was your experience like, which, how did you get into Tron? What was your first taste of the Tron? Kind of similar. You know, I, I was too young when it came out in the theaters. Um, but I think, and I'm, I was trying to uh, recall this. Um, it, it had to have been, I was exposed to it on a VHS or even a cable like viewing. Um, I can't remember if it was my dad that connected me with it or a friend, but yeah, I just remember same thing, had some of the same sort of impressions and reactions, just kind of blown away, especially at that time with all the computer. Uh, generated imagery it had it was pretty groundbreaking and i just loved you know aspects of it the the colors um the light cycles the vehicles um and then i just found myself re-watching it over and over and over again it was just a film that i just found entertaining and i think also too with i was really big into video games so i think that connection to the video games really impacted me and but same thing i i I was later in life i had actually was working for disney at the time when tron legacy came out all right i knew i picked the right guy for this episode (laughs) and it was crazy because i'd also had worked at san diego comic-con uh the year before in 2009 i was at i mean i i went to comic-con every year from 99 to When's the last one I went to? Either 2010 or oh, 2011. Shit. So were you there in 2008 when he brought the teaser? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And so yeah, the, yeah, yep. and I I had not. I don't think I was at that show, and I don't remember seeing it. But obviously, the reaction to from the crowd was just they were they were just. That was actually a really fun Comic Con because not only was that going on, but I got to meet Cliffy B and the Gears of nice. War team and got an autographed poster from them. This is right before Gears Two came out. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah. it was crazy too because they had done Tron Legacy three years in a row. So they did 2008, 2009, and then 2010 right before the release. And that's 2010 was when they brought the crowd or the the cast with with them. They did an extended trailer. 
and was really cool because I went that year as a fan. Um, and they did a really cool thing where they recorded dialogue of in hall H with the crowd that they then put into the movie. Oh man. I think that was going on at the same time that some other big thing that I was at. So I did not see the hall oh, H presentation it, of 2010. Yeah. Incredible. I'd have to look incredible. So basically yeah, during, I'm sure. during the games when he goes in into the games, the crowd chanting like disc wars and you know they were screaming that some of that was recorded in hall h and then that oh yeah. that's so cool that is so awesome yeah. and then it was really great when i was at disney so i was in disney 2010 uh, just right at the beginning of the year and then obviously the, the movie came out in october but we were really really privileged they gave us a special screening at the el capitan theater in los angeles just with a the the department that i was with at the time and it was just mind blowing to me that and it was one of my favorite movies and it still is and i can just it's one of those movies i just rewatch over and over and over again it's just so beautiful yeah that's awesome we'll get more into that in a bit let's talk about the the original film so um, Tron came about, uh, the film was released in 82, but it came about as, um, an idea from Steven Lisberger. And I know that he had been really into computer graphics and animation. This was like the very, this is like yeah. ground yeah. zero of CG animation and special effects. Like nobody had even thought about doing any of this stuff on this level. And he worked, um, he had done some stuff for, uh, like an animation reel and it got picked up for some advertising and that generated steam. So it started and it turned into this film project. Um, and, uh, he helped create the story along with Bonnie MacBird and, you know, they, uh, Disney picked it up and they were able to get, you know, Jeff Bridges who was really interested because he thought this is going to be groundbreaking stuff. And he's hired to play Kevin Flynn, a computer programmer and video game developer. Um, and I mean, they had a pretty good cast. We got Bruce Box Leitner, <laughs> David Warner, Cindy Morgan, Bernard Hughes, and um, along with the movie The Last Starfighter, it's one of the first films to use like extensive CGI in a film. And and at the time, the Academy denied tron a nomination mm. for best special effects because they said they cheated because they used computers <laughs> yeah. now i mean for the past 20 years every hollywood film has some sort of computer generated effects so and i can't wait to it's interesting this film was so groundbreaking yeah. it was denied an academy award for special well i know effects. we'll get into it but just it's so interesting for you to say that and then now what we're dealing with right now with ai it is fascinating. Like just that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's on the show notes. For and sure. it's just, it's like, so when you said that, I was like, yeah, it's so funny how we're come almost full circle decades later, same sort of themes that are coming up. <laughs> right. So the main plot of the film, um, you know, if we get into the original Tron film, and uh, this happens a little bit in the second movie, too. But in this first film, um, Kevin Flynn's leading software engineer, formerly employed by computer corporation Encom, which was, uh, and at the time, I don't know if Encom was more loosely based on, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, MS, Microsoft had barely sort of hit the market at that time, maybe. Um, it might be more based on IBM. Um that would be my guess. Mm, yeah. um, now Flynn runs an arcade and he's trying to hack into Encom's mainframe because Encom has stolen his ideas and marketed them under their name and, and fired him. And Encom has a master control program, which is halting his progress. And this MCP in the first movie is very much like an AI type device. Yeah. It's a it's an AI overseer of the network um but with the help of programmer alan and his girlfriend laura they help flynn break in and sort of hack the system and when that happens 
the MCP pulls Flynn into the computer world through a digitizer that uh, was being developed at NCOM to, you know, who knows what they were doing with that. Thing, but it's like a laser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it turns yeah. from, from human <laughs> into into bits, computer bits, and puts them inside this virtual world. Um, and yeah, that's that's a very like thing that is actually kind of scary. That I mean, we just have full on Chat GPT running wild now. Yeah, uh, it's interesting how a lot of times art can predict what happens in the real world. Well, it's. It- Uncannily. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead, but it's interesting that with Tron Legacy, they were t- they met with a lot of scientists and people that were experts in quantum uh, computing, quantum physics, and really they read the script and just basically they were having a riff session. So there is so many things commingled with with the technology, but the art and how it really does inform it. It's pretty fascinating. Right. So in the first movie, Flynn gets digitized by the MCP. He comes into the grid. He meets Tron, who's Alan's program. That's like a defense program for users. And in the grid, um, he has to play the games, which are really cool. That was, I mean, when I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I saw those light cycles, I was like, that is yeah, the dude. <laughs> thing in the whole world. <laughs> Right, mind blowing. And then when we were kids, they had really cool toys of yeah. those that were just really neat looking. Um, just that futuristic design of that. I mean, to this yeah. day, there are a few movie motorcycles that are just above all as far as design. Yeah. The motorcycles from Tron, the bike from Akira, mm. just iconic. They're just they're symbols yeah. that get burned into your psyche. Right. I mean, if there's a third one, it might be the Harley that that the Terminator rides in Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of another really more iconic motorcycle. Because it's definitely not the motorcycle from Megaforce, because that was really cheesy. <laughs> but anyway, they fight through the games. They're able to... They're able to uh, defeat the uh, MCP and get control back of the system. And... In the process, you know, Flynn is able to reveal that, yes, he's the one that made these games that NCOM is making tons of money off of. Um, and Flynn now becomes the uh, CEO of NCOM, and Alan and Laura work for him. And it's a nice, happy ending. It's a really fun ride. The first movie is a little... Bobby, it starts really slow. Like I was telling you in the pre-show, I tried to show it to my kids, and they just they gave me the side eye after about 15, 20 minutes. They're like, "Dad, seriously, this is this is not, wasn't captivating enough, you know. huh?" <laughs> no, and I mean that's kind of the world we live in, and I think you know, as much as I love that first movie, it is kind of a tough watch. I I love it to death, yeah. but it is kind of slow. It has a killer soundtrack though by Wendy Carlos. Um, you know, she had worked with Kubrick. She's just a phenomenal musician. And the special effects, I mean, to this day, the movie just has a look that nothing has. Yeah. Like, nothing looks like that fucking movie. Nothing. And it's really cool looking. I mean, the closest thing I ever saw that kind of looked like Tron, and it was probably on purpose, was that animated series for kids called Reboot. Oh, yeah. was like the closest thing I saw that ever kind of looked like the original Tron, where it's using more of a simplified yeah. geometric cell shading look and not like a hard super CG probably due to, to, you know, I think, I think reboot literally was, you know, all computer animated, whereas Tron was a combination of cinematography, acting in camera effects, computer effects, you know, post-processing effects. That movie has so many different shots, like watching the, how they composite the yeah. film, it's amazing that the film looks as good as it does because there's probably like seven layers yeah. of optical composites on there. So they probably used a really high grade 35 millimeter or higher film, I'm going to guess, when that came out. And also, too, it was so rudimentary. Wow. Like the computer computing power in order to do some of that stuff isn't like what it was today. So the amount of time. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
you know, if like it, it, there's this, there's kind of like this effects line. You have the stuff in the late sixties that Kubrick did with 2001 and they first got optical printing and the camera could only follow, it could only pan left to right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then George Lucas took that and he's like, what if we could get the camera to pan left, right, up and down, forward and back? So they designed that. And then that got built upon for optical compositing and it just kept getting better and better. And now, I mean, now forget about it. We have computer controlled design that can do everything and including, you know, uh, what do they call those? uh, And now they can even create like digital copies of actors and actresses now, which is just insane. It it reminded me a lot of early PlayStation one graphics and titles and even Saturn. And to a degree, um, I remember Star Fox and um, that sort of, yeah, (laughs) that sort of stylist styling where it wasn't fully formed. But it was very, there's a lot of angles, a very angular, angular um, graphics. Yeah. And uh, the, the one of the cool things, and this is probably why the production design on that first movie still holds up so well, is the characters and some of the stuff in the world was designed by Mobius, French, mm. French artists. And the tech and vehicles and everything were Sid Mead, oh. um, who's also yeah. famous for Blade Runner, and he's worked on some mobile suit i mean that guy's worked on all kinds of sci-fi yeah. but he's also done some anime stuff with mobile suit gundam he's just, he's a futurist mm-hmm. the futurist of that era like so um yeah it, it was just a, it was a groundbreaking film it made 50 million on a budget of 17 million in 82 wow. but it wasn't the box office smash yeah. that Disney had hoped for. Star Wars was a breakout smash. They were chasing that Star Wars dollar, yeah. right? They they had tried with the black hole and it didn't quite do it. They thought, well, Tron's going to do it. And for some of us, it did, but it didn't do as well as Disney thought. And I, I think some of that has to do with the story being a little uneven. The pacing can be a little clunky at times. As cool as the movie is, there's there's some clunk. It's got a kind of a stilted pace to it. It'll be really fast for a second, then it gets really slow. And then it picks yeah. up again, and then it gets really slow. Yeah, and I partially agree, and, uh, agree with that. I think also, too, it suffered a little bit from what I feel like a lot of films sometimes suffer from, is that it was too ahead of its time. It was too early. For sure. And that's why it's a cult yeah. classic, I think. For sure, it was. It was. I think it was a, at the time. I think it was over a lot of people's yeah. heads, right? Us, the our our generation that was kind of growing up with technology, we were yeah. into it because we were growing up with technology. But the folks that were past that were like, "This is way too advanced for me to even think." Yeah, about. and I think that's probably also <laughs> too why it holds up to a certain degree, especially from the tech side. Um, why even rewatching it? You know, there's, I'm watching scenes and just like, wow, I, I kind of taken back to a time of wonderment where how did they do that? Or that looks really, really right. good. When you watch the behind the scenes, oh, this is why it still looks so good. Okay, it wasn't 35. They shot it in 65 super Jeez. pan. That's why they were able to do so many optical layers and have it actually still wow. <laughs> still look decent. That makes more it sense. It makes it impressive too, like wow. how they act, like the film got made. Because because of the level of of tech that was involved in it, and especially at that time, I'm surprised it even got budgeted. Because <laughs> at that time, it would have been probably really expensive to do a lot of the stuff that they were doing. Which also makes sense why you see certain scenes where they you could tell the way they constructed them, they were really in a way not cutting corners, but they were working with yeah, fine. The scenes where there's just two yeah. characters and there's a black yeah. background. Yeah, they were totally cutting corners. No, that's exactly what they were doing. They were like, uh, or, just put these actors here, frame this here, or, shoot this, or, close up, boom. Or working within the conf- confinements of, of what yeah. they had to do. I'm with. sure it was a little yeah. both. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Man. Well, you know what? This sounds like the perfect spot, Tony, for us to take a little break and let you guys hear an advertisement about another awesome show on Ruminations Radio Network. RFC will be right back, and we're going to break into Tron 2 Legacy. Oh, God, it hurts. What's wrong, buddy? Nothing. That's the name of our podcast. 
Do you think anyone will know it's a reference to what some random SWAT team member said in that one scene in Terminator 2 after getting nailed in the back with a gas canister? Probably not, but they will get a regular dose of two lifelong gamer buddies on either side of the Pacific Ocean, delivering their view of video games with a retro emphasis every other week. That's cool. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the RFC. I got Tony of Tony's Tall Tales. We are talking about the multimedia and movie series Tron. We finished talking about the original film starring Jeff Bridges. And now I think we're going to break into the dark times. Yeah, <laughs> which kind of makes sense. Post-82. Dude. Like why it probably took so long because of the box office, quote unquote, yeah. failure that Tron experienced. It, it and like yeah, it fail, I mean it made money, but it wasn't huge. And um, Disney's a huge company, and they have so many yeah. properties. And I think if you're not a property that makes you know uh, prints money, then they probably are like, well, there's no point in going back to that. Or enough in the zeitgeist where there's enough of an audience that they think that they can market to. Because it was, it, yeah. like you had mentioned too, it did become a cult hit, but they weren't quite sure if it could reach a larger audience with another film. For sure. So when we had nothing, really, there was, there was a VHS release. There was a not-so-great DVD release. Was there ever a Laserdisc um, version? There oh, was. Shit. There was a laser. The laser disc came before the DVD. The first DVD was basically just a copy of the laser disc. It was pan and scan. Uh, it wasn't fancy. Uh, finally, in 2002, we got a 20th anniversary um, DVD. I remember that's the one I went crazy for because it was a THX mastered mm. anamorphic and it had special features like making of Tron. Um, you know that, and I think that was almost the catalyst of what got the ground rolling to get a movie sequel. Because the amount of people that were talking about Tron and the fans, and right around that time too, we got a new game on the PC, Tron 2.0, by um, Monolith, uh, using their LithTech engines. They had made a previous game on PC called Shogo, which was like a mech uh, FPS. Um, the game is not canon, but I think that ignited also just a lot of fans to be interested in Tron again. Nice. Um, so finally in 2005, they hired some guys to write a sequel. And in 2008, they negotiated and got director Joseph Kaczynski. Uh, if his name sounds familiar, that's because he directed the mega, 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 mega. million dollar making <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Which, that guy can probably do whatever yeah. he wants now. What's crazy is I forgot um, that Tron Legacy was his directorial debut. Is it his directorial debut? <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah, whole, his big screen debut. Yeah, because wow. he had been doing commercials, yeah, and he had a lot done, of commercial work. Yeah. Previously. And he had done he had done a commercial for Halo that was amazing. Oh, and he yeah. also did the Mad World commercial for Gears of War. So this guy is legit. Yeah. Like, he knows how to make exciting. But imagine him like that. Like, moving pictures. Ta- like, tapping him for, like, this big film. That's just incredible. And then I think he hit it out of the park, obviously. Yeah, and he also did he also did this little film called Oblivion. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's not every, it's not everybody's favorite, but it's I love that be movie, man. Some, okay. I, well then you are the guy for my Oblivion. I episode. don't know why it didn't do as big as it, because I thought that was a fantastic film. It'll probably be something like Tron that'll be a cult mm-hmm. classic. There's a lot of stuff that becomes a cult classic. Yeah. Yeah. So such a good film. Um, so anyway, they, you know, we, we, they get some screenwriters, they get Joseph Kaczynski working on it and, um, we get a teaser trailer. That's not nothing that ever actually appears in the movie. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a like concept. A test footage yeah. stuff, um, that they showed at 2008 Comic-Con, um, that they were really nervous about because they didn't know what the reaction was going to be. Dude, but people, I remember being there and freaking yeah. out, man. Because well, it was so unexpected. I was there. I think, like, especially, too, yeah, nobody, nobody really expected. Nobody knew. That was really, this was before the internet leaked everything yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, those were those were interesting times. And then that was for me, Comic Con was really fun at that time. Mm-hmm. Slowly though, it it grew yeah. a little too big for its britches, and also expensive. Yeah, <laughs> really expensive. Well, I, re- re- um, I just re- obviously recently rewatched that um, test footage trailer, and man, it it really is really good. Like I got pumped up like after watching it again. <laughs> It was so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, finally in 2010, we get the real trailer. The movie is now called Tron Legacy. Uh, I remember being super excited. And not only did the trailer look good, but we had, you know, they had the announcement that that Daft Punk was composing oh. the music. So it all, it was all like, yeah, yes. like everything just was really lined up. So let's, let's break into Tron legacy. What, what is your first, like, did you go see it? You, you got to see it before the public. Yeah. You were at Disney. So how, what was that experience like with the audience? It there? was, it was electric. I got to say it was one of my top, one of my probably top two or three favorite theater going in experiences. Cause it was cool. Cause I, I'd gone with like, it was a bunch of coworkers. So it was people that already knew and we were super excited about it. And I think just the rest of our department, they're just kind of geeks at heart because we were working for a department in Disney at that time called uh, Disney interactive media group. And so it was just a bunch of people who were like, we're geeks and nerds and fans of like games and pulp culture. And so when we went to see it, there was already like an energy. And then I think when they introduced it and just seeing it come onto the big screen and El Capitan is a magnificent um, theater and just the size and the scope. And I think they, they for the group, they had cranked it up just a little bit more than usual. So it was nice. fucking loud. Nice. <laughs> that's a movie where as you're watching it you find yourself cranking the yes! knob up a little bit because yes! the music is so it's good oh so good and i think i think what was really great about that movie is when they did it well and also too we saw it in truthy and i can't wait to get into this like we saw it in truthy 3d and tron legacy Ooh. was one of the last films that shot on the in real yeah. real 3D cameras. On the yeah. camera system that was developed by James Cameron. So it was in real, it wasn't that 3D conversion bullshit. The, the process stuff. So right. when he gets dropped into the grid, it goes 3D. Like the entire movie at that nice. point hadn't really been 3D. And then when it drops in, you were just like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> so. The Blu-ray, I have the Blu-ray set that came out a few years ago, and it has Tron 1 and Tron Legacy, and it has the 3D copy of Legacy, but I don't have a 3D Blu-ray player nor a 3D TV, but I bet it looks Yeah, (laughs) me too, and I've always thought about trying to get a setup to to see it again, because I I feel like it was one of those movies. And so that's the reaction that I had, like seeing it, just my, my jaw drop, and just feeling the bass and just the resonance in my body <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> so I became like super stoked, super stoked. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the trailer and I went and saw it, you know, at the theater. I did not see it in 3D. Oh, shit. I think I saw it just in regular. I didn't, I didn't. Did you um, ever get to see it in 3D? I don't 3D? know if it was. No, oh. I didn't. And uh, I, I, general rule of thumb, I'm not really super impressed with 3D. Like I saw. The first Avatar in 3D was okay, but a lot of times when I watch, I'm dude, I am really picky with visual yeah. fidelity, and a lot of times the 3D movies like they're blurry. Yeah. I don't know if it's the glasses or the way it has to process the film to give you that fake 3D effect, but it looks blurry and it it drives me crazy. Like I remember seeing, I think it was the first Avengers, and for whatever reason, the first showing I was able to get tickets for was 3D, so I paid for 3D, and it was really blurry. And then the next day, I saw it in 2D, and it looked so much sharper. I was like, oh, this looks so much yeah. better. And it was at the same theater. It was just on a different screen. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I like the idea of 3D, but I don't like wearing the stuff on my face, and I don't like the lower-quality visuals. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, this one I felt I'm the same way. I don't really generally watch anything in 3D, but this one was one of the few exceptions where it really did raise the visual experience for me to a, to a different degree. And I was really just blown away and impressed. And I, I thought that really added to um, 
the experience with everything else in its totality, just absolutely stunning. Because again, I think it was done properly and done the right way. So you didn't have that drop off that you normally see with other 3D movies. So let's get into the the story of um, uh, like the thing. If you're if you're a fan of the first film, the second film just I mean it grabs you right away. You know, there's there's a scene. It's it's the late '80s. Kevin Flynn has been promoted as CEO of Encom, and he disappears. There's a great scene where he's reading a story to his son about Tron, and his son's like seven years old. And then he says he's got to go to work and he gets on a motorcycle and he drives off and, you know, and then we see all the news stories, you know, Kevin Flynn, CEO of income has disappeared. Some say he took all the money and went to an Island, blah, 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 blah. There's all these conspiracy theories, but 20 years later, his son, Sam is now grown up. He's the primary shareholder. He pranks the corporation by releasing the company's operating system online for free. And they, they definitely make income seem more like Apple, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, like Apple kind of environment. Yeah. Um, or I thought maybe a and, little bit more Microsoft because Microsoft did a yeah, lot of that. Maybe a mix of the yeah. two. Yeah. And they did have a cool, uh, a cool nod to the original characters. They had a, uh, what's that actor's name with the eyes. He's got really Sark. The one who plays Sark? Yeah, the guy that plays, he plays the son yeah. of Sark. In, oh, in, uh, uh, yeah, Tron Killian Legacy. Murphy. Yeah, Killian Murphy plays the son of Sark, and now he's like their tech director or whatever, and that's just that's just funny. Um, so Alan Bradley is still there, and he tracks Sam down and says, hey, I got a page to the old arcade. Here's the keys. And Sam's like, you know, I don't want to deal with this now. I just, you know, <laughs> from his prank, he got caught and he had been in jail. And he's living this very, like, kind of vagabond life. Yeah. He's bummed that his dad's gone. He doesn't know what to do. But he does go down there. He goes in the arcade. And if you're a Gen Xer, he turns on those <laughs> machines. And it just makes you well, happy. Didn't it, but, but didn't it break your heart where just, like, the, like... The, Nothing, nothing's been done. You feel like the, those, those those machines have just been left to rot. And yeah, the arcade is all yeah. just... I mean, they were, at least they were covered <laughs> with tarps. They were covered with... <laughs> sort of protected. <laughs> yeah, sort of protected. He turns them all on, and the jukebox kicks on, and we hear, you know, Journey, and you're like, oh, yeah, man, it's 83 <laughs> again. Let's go. <laughs> Which is also ironic, um, because arcade bars, I feel, it have been making a resurgence. You know, seriously, right in the past, probably five, six years, that is a serious thing. Yeah. I mean, we even have sort of a popular one here in Tucson. So, yeah. Um, They'll probably start calling them boomer bars pretty soon. (laughs) True, true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, and in almost a nod to the original movie, Sam finds, you know, his dad's workshop hidden behind a tron arcade machine and he sits down to this terminal that looks very much like sark's terminal from the original Mm -hmm. movie it's this desk with a glass screen like touchscreen computer and he hacks into his dad's stuff and what happens this laser behind him boom puts him into the grid and sam is now in the grid and uh he's taken right away to the games and he fights a computer program named Rinsler. And he's injured and bleeds. Rinsler realizes Sam is a human or user. And he takes him to Clue. And at first, Sam thinks Clue is his father. Yeah, Clue looks like him. Looks just like Flynn. <laughs> but the younger, younger. Clue was, Clue was a young copy of Flynn. And Flynn had created Clue to create the quote-unquote perfect system. In the games, Clue nearly kills Sam in a light cycle match, but Sam is rescued in a crazy awesome sequence by a person named Cora, an apprentice of Flynn, who's played by Olivia Wilde. Uh, she's stunning in this movie. Yeah. Stunning. There's like a there's an innocence and just an exoticness to that character yeah. that when I saw it in the theater, I was like, who is this woman? Yeah. I really <laughs> like the way she played her too with, 
Yeah, like she's, she's playful yeah. but innocent, but a badass yeah. all in one. It's a lot of fun. Um, she takes Sam to his dad, Flynn, who has now become like, and I love the way they they turned Flynn into this like Zen master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really messing with my Zen thing, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's really cool. Even his outfit, his robes oh. are very Japanese, so awesome. like Zen monk samurai looking which is really cool and the lighting the whole the visual lighting. design yeah. of the second movie it, it pays homage to the first movie but it pushes oh, it forward yeah. into a more believable landscape it allows for better lighting and just uh like watching it again i was like god damn this yeah. is a good look yeah, the cinematography was fucking insane i was like look at that shot yeah. wow yeah, I was Claudio, I Claudio Roman, uh, Miranda, man. Miranda, oh. yeah. I forgot how good that movie looked. And then the editing, too, by uh, James Haygood. Everything in this, this, even if you've never seen the first movie, if you guys are listening, we're in spoiler land, go watch the second yeah. movie. If you have Disney Plus, it's on there, but I recommend you grab the Blu ray. I'm not sure, is this available on 4K? I'd have to look. I, I, have, done a 4K I have the version of these. Yeah. Well, that's a fucking yeah. shame. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, I kind of want to like well, while we're live here. I have the power of. <laughs> yeah, mm, I think you're right. I don't think there's a 4K yet. Oh, that's that's a travesty. Which is why I don't own it. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I have the I have the mega two disc like set that you get the original film and then the 3D version of Legacy and then. Uh, Two extra discs of tons of extra content. Wow, that is, that thing brand new is going for eighty dollars now. Yeah, it's out of print. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah. There's no 4K. Um. But amazing movie. Uh. So Sam is rescued. He finds his dad, and his dad is not exactly happy. He's happy to see Sam, but his dad knows that clue is the one that sent the page clue is the one clue needs a new piece on the board because clue has now figured out that he can leave the system if 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 flynn and sam can come in the system clue thinks he can leave the system and go into quote unquote the real world let's pause for a second how real is our real world and how real is their world like if you break into like you know philosophy and quantum physics is there that much of a difference between these well and i think that's that's the whole fascinating topic is that there with some of these experts in these fields of quantum realms and quantum mechanics and quantum theory the the argument is posed that there really isn't as great of a difference as we think there is and how so much of it is i mean can we can we even as a species process that like do we even know and this goes back to like stuff in the matrix do we even know what we are living in is actually (laughs) real i'm gonna air quote this real well it's 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 been debated for years right and decades right where like even the are the the idea of the way our our brain functions how we are kind of just our brain is constructing a hallucination of reality even even exactly. from the base the base function of its its neural network and its sensory inputs so yeah it's fascinating yeah. man it's fucking crazy <laughs> i remember when uh one of the the lines in star wars episode 1 that i never thought about until i heard is qui-gon jin says your consciousness determines your reality and i was like holy mm. fucking shit yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and you think about people that have mental illness and schizophrenia and stuff, are they on a different frequency? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. You can See, go down the rabbit hole for sure. Oh. <laughs> you can go so far down the rabbit hole that you can't get out. Yeah. So back to the movie. <laughs> digital, <laughs> digital jazz, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, at first, Flynn doesn't want to do anything. Sam's like, well, we got to, I got to get you out of here. I want to take you back home. I want to, you know, I want to see you in the real world and live with you. And, um, 
Cora helps Sam find a plan to do that, and she sends him off. And then Flynn finds out, and he's like, no, man. And uh, <laughs> Sam goes to meet Hercules at this bar, end of line, which is a nice nod to the original yeah. film. And it turns out to be a setup. Zeus there um, really is working for Clue all along. And when Flynn comes to help Sam... Zeus ends up with Flynn's disc and gives it to Clue. But that's the catalyst point that now Flynn... And in that battle, Cora gets hurt, but Flynn figures out how to help her. And Flynn, Sam, and Cora decide to get a transport and go to the portal that can take them back to the real world. Across the Sea of Simulation. Yeah, the Sea of Simulation on a solar sail, which is another yeah. cool like nod to the original film. There's a lot of oh, there's a lot of great yeah. nods to the original design of the original film in this movie. My, do you have a favorite um, one? Like nod or Easter egg? Probably the original bike that, or you know, the bike that that Flynn makes. That's a nod to the original oh, bikes yeah. from the first movie that Sam later takes. That white one, that's pretty slick, dude. I'm not gonna lie. If I if I could yeah. that house, I would totally have that. <laughs> I don't know. Did you notice the one in the first Tron, uh, Pac-Man? Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then yeah. my one of my favorites in this film was the uh, Dumont shipping uh, sign when uh, Sam rides into his little like his little uh, yeah his like loft yeah. apartment thing. It said Dumont shipping yeah. on it, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was awesome. So they take the solar sailor and then they're intercepted by Clue's warship and they steal a flying vehicle, uh, like a flying jet fighter. And they finally figured out that Rinsler is now Tron, but he's been corrupted, like reprogrammed. Sam gets back his dad's disc. He rescues Korra. Flynn c- takes control of the light fighter. This starts an aerial battle, which is really cool, which uh. is probably what got Joseph Kaczynski the job on top of the Maverick. Because um, <laughs> it's really well yeah. done. It's a lot of fun. And uh, in the battle, Rinsler remembers that he was Tron, and that's a cool scene. And yeah. He, collides with clues jet and then he falls in the sea of simulation and you see when when rinsler falls in you know because now he's tron his color changes from that orange color back to like a blue color which is cool um and then uh clue confronts the others at the portal uh flynn gives his disc to cora and tells you know tells her in secret you make sure you and sam get out of here he's going to distract clue and uh they do that and um Flynn or um Sam and Cora get to the real world. Flynn distracts Clue and kind of reabsorbs him and stays in the computer world. In Flynn's arcade, Sam backs up and deactivates the system. He then tells Alan that he plans to retake control of NCOM, naming Alan chairman of the board. And Sam takes um, Cora on his motorcycle and he shows her a real sunrise which is a nod to an early part in the film where they were talking about yeah. a sunrise and she asks him to describe it and he's like I don't think I can I've never had to describe it um, before <laughs> yeah and I've heard some people didn't think that the um, actor Garrett Hedlund that played Sam was too great but I really didn't have any issues with that I, yeah, I, man, I, maybe I'm just a fanboy I really like the movie overall yeah there were some moments where I felt for his acting was a little forced but overall I th- I thought he did a great job too and there were some moments too that man the him meeting his dad again for the first time oh I fucking it, it, it hit me man it hit me deep I got the feels yeah um, but yeah I thought he did a great job I think if I had one kind of criticism of this film, and it's just because the technology was kind of early at the time, the digital de-aged version of Jeff Bridges, both in the beginning where he is young Flynn and then also as Clue, it has a fakeness to it. Like you just look at it and you're like, yeah, that's that's not – like the human eye can see fake real quick. 
Like we know it's, fake, right? And you just see it and you're like, oh, it's yeah, scary right. when you, yeah, it's <laughs> scary when you compare it to where it is now because it looks so much better. And so, like, because obviously the Marvel movies have done a shit ton of de aging now, especially with and Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> well, in the new Indiana Jones, they de Harrison. Yeah, and the new Indiana Jones. And it looks mm-hmm. scary real. But yeah, I agree. It was kind of the same thing where it was a little ahead of its time before that technology was where it's at now. Um, but man, it's it's still there's some there's there's still some spots where you get a glimpse where it doesn't look as pronounced. And it's like, wow, that's pretty incredible. There are, yeah, there, no, for sure. There are some shots in the movie where it, it holds up and it looks great, but there are certain shots, mm-hmm. like the way his mouth moves at certain times. I was like, oh, God, it is our yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And dude, the music, the fight. You know what was great yeah. about uh, Daft Punk is they. They had never scored a film before, so they were coming at it as just musicians and electronic artists. So for them to not only figure out how to score a film, but do it phenomenally is, is, is my, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. It it blows me away because I remember that's that having that CD (laughs) in my player for months on end on repeat because i would just listen to it over and over because it's so fucking good it's just and then um i remember too when they did the the remix album same thing just the music on that 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 film is just so fucking perfect and i love that they got a cameo as yeah the flying <laughs> club yeah yeah that was awesome I, uh, yeah, the, everything, like I said, the, the second movie just really just takes everything, the world of the first movie and just, it created a better story. It has amazing cinematography, better action sequence. The the whole flow of the movie is just smoother. It's not as disjointed. Um, it just flows from scene to scene. The acting is all pretty well done overall. The cinematography is phenomenal. There were some shots where I was like, wow, that's a really good shot. The fight choreography is yeah. really good. Um, I love, you know, they have, they mix in sort of the disc fighting with some mm-hmm. martial arts fighting and the vehicle stunts <sighs> are just phenomenal. Just overall, the whole film as a package is really good. Like I said, my only real criticism is that the aging on Jeff yeah. Bridges is kind of suspect. But um, everything else is is amazing. Now, that being said, this was 2010. That movie also made a pretty decent amount of money. Yeah. But something happened shortly after that. Um, right after that, Disney bought Marvel. And also right after that, Disney released this movie in the theater called Tomorrowland. And it flopped. Mm. Because of Tomorrowland's flop, the Tron three that was green lit yeah. that had Kaczynski attached mm-hmm. to it got kind of dropped yeah. and they also had just bought Marvel. So they were like, well, let's, let's, let's rain in the spending steam. a little bit. <laughs> right. So let's talk about like what happened. What, I mean, I would have totally been on board with a third movie by oh. Kaczynski. And I think there was plenty of room to do that yeah. with, um, what were your thoughts at that time, or do you remember anything about that? Or I just, I just remember there being a lot of excitement, and I think, I think too, the way they did the marketing perfectly. I don't know if you remember at the the Comic Cons where the whole Flynn th- lives thing. Yeah, they were doing yeah, like I a do scavenger hunt uh, multiple years, and they really did a great job. I I felt of of marketing it. And I think after seeing this film, I was super excited about a potential three, especially if, um, Joseph Kaczynski was coming back. Um, but I, I, I can't say I wasn't surprised that it got dropped because I think just knowing the history and just, I think they enjoy, they thought Tron legacy was successful, but I think it still didn't hit what they were hoping it was going to hit in terms of, box office and again because i think it it kind of the the large enough audience that they probably were hoping for still hadn't shown up fully and i think same thing it might have been a little bit ahead of its time even though it was decades later 
Um, but I was I was bummed that it did not go forward when it initially thought it was going to go forward. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I was all ready for it, and then it was limbo. And the current current interweb news, um, you know, as far as in 2017, Kozinski said it had not been scrapped. It was in cryogenic freeze. And then a few mm-hmm. days later, it was reported that Jared Leto was attached to portray a new character named Ares in the sequel, uh, but no official announcements. And then in 2020, Disney president... Uh, uh, music and soundtrack to Mitchell Leib confirmed that a third Tron film was actively being worked on and that Daft Punk would probably return to do the score. Well, in that time, Daft Punk has parted ways, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, But in um, August 2020, Deadline reported that Garth Davis had officially been tapped to direct the film with a screenplay by Jesse Wigato in 2022 while promoting the Sony Marvel film Morbius. Jared Leto confirmed the confirmed that the film is still happening. January 2023, Davis had exited as director with Joaquin Ronning entering negotiations to take the directing job. Leto is still attached. Production planned to begin in Vancouver on July 3rd. This was 2022. I don't think that has still happened. I think this is probably still in Project Hell Limbo. Yeah, and I think the most recent thing that came out was actually this year, back in March, where they, the producer, Justin Springer, um, had confirmed that he was the producer still on whatever the upcoming film becomes, but that it's still, yeah, it still seems like they're, they're trying to get it in full production. There was rumors, there has been rumors that it's going into production later this year, um, but that obviously hasn't been confirmed. Yeah. Well, away from the movies, let's talk about some of the other fun Tron stuff, like no, notably the video games. Um, we had the original Tron upright arcade game. Um, do you remember playing that as a kid? What did you think of that game? Yeah, I remember playing the. I didn't have a lot of access to arcades at the time, but I do remember that one because I think that was the one I had most exposure to. Um, I found it pretty cool. Um, I don't think I got to play a lot of Disc of Tron. Um, and then I definitely wasn't able to play the, the the PC one, Tron 2.0 at the time, since I think you'd mentioned that there was a PlayStation or PC only. Yeah, it was a PC only port. So the original Tron arcade, I played quite a bit as a kid nice. and I didn't love it, but I would play it because it was yeah. Tron and it had the music. <laughs> I didn't like that the light cycle was like a top yeah. down view. Like I was like, like <laughs> you know, I didn't, I was too young to understand that. Why the limitations. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing where you shoot the MCP cone, that level sucked. Mm. I liked the tank part. That was fun. I mean, there were certain things that yeah. were cool. It was like it was like four, I think it was four or six mini games, and you, you would play them, and then you just kept going until you lost all your lives. Has there ever been a re- re-release fun. of that? Like, is it available anywhere? I think there was a home port on the PS2 original Xbox GameCube generation, oh, but I don't know. I'd have to look. Um, there was a port of Discs of Tron mm. to the Xbox 360 arcade, which is backwards compatible on Xbox One or Xbox Series S and X, which I played today, nice. remembering that I owned it. It's still lots of fun. There's some enhanced parts to it too if you want to turn them on or you can run it in default arcade mode that game is still a lot of fun it's it gets really hard after about board five or six Mm. just like oh my (laughs) gosh um but it's a really cool nod to the original film design oh nice um and then i had played that tron 2.0 on pc like when it came out in the early 2000s i think 2003 or 2004 um but that was near the end of me playing PC games because I'd fallen in love, back in love with consoles with the original uh, Xbox and PlayStation 2 era stuff. So I didn't play it very much, but it was pretty cool. It's not canon anymore, but the developer uh, Monolith, I really liked their style. And that was a fun game. I tried to play this uh, more recent Tron Uprising game that I got on games with gold on xbox it was a 360 release and um yeah no i don't like yeah. it. <laughs> that was the the run the you, run r one right 
No, no, no. It's called Tron Uprising, oh. and it's the music's cool. It's it's visually very much like the second movie, just gameplay wise, just not very uh, good. Um, but yeah, there was a Tron Run R game that was released in 2015, 2016. I've never played it. I, yeah, I'm interested. I did in it. play it a lot. I just I kind of poked around at it, but it didn't it didn't really capture me enough. Or didn't me. resonate. That's how I felt about that Tron Uprising game. And then you said there's a brand new. Tron game on Switch. Yeah, it just came out in April of this year from a developer, Bithel Games, uh, called Tron Identity. And it's on PC and Nintendo Switch. Ooh, what does it play like? Um, so it's almost like a combination of a visual novel and puzzle game. I haven't, I haven't been able to get into it yet. Um, but it, it looks, the styling looks very good. But I am interested to see how they take this visual novel concept into these puzzles i don't know if there's a lot of action in it um so i'll have to reserve judgment once i get really heavy into it um but it does seem like it's part of you know it's an extension of the the franchise in the universe so it does seem like it's making some connections um to the world that we've i guess it's also too it's like the one thing it was developed i don't know if you played the um game thomas was alone or john wick hex no i haven't tried either so they it's you know it's a it's a good team it's you know it's a smaller indie team but those those titles did really well they're award-winning so that's why i was hoping that this might hopefully follow in the same footsteps but initial it's weird it's kind of mixed some some sites say they don't really enjoy it but other sites think it's a it's a really solid indie title Hmm. All right, man. Yeah. So, which one was your That's favorite awesome. then? Like, I'll have what, to check that. Out of yeah. the games, I mean, if I'm going to play a game, the Dissatron is a fun pick up and play. I I would like to revisit that original Tron yeah, arcade game too. if I can get a hold of a way to play it. Maybe I mean, probably just through Mame. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's accessible. Um, I remember really enjoying the Tron 2.0 game because it was a first-person shooter, oh. and that monolith were really good at making those. And it was like, if you've ever played their game Shogo Mobile Armor Division, they also did the game No One Lives Forever, oh, okay. which was like a spoof on James Bond, but with a female, sort of like Austin Powers, but a female character. That was a really cool game series. I think there was a port on the PS2 was the only console port. That was another one that was mostly PC only. Nice. Um, yeah, I think they got bought out by somebody that that particular development team, but they were they were a really creative team. Yeah, so um but Dissatron's probably my favorite. Cool. And I remember here in Tucson as a kid, Space Shuttle when it was on Campbell and Fort Lowell had a Dissatron machine, which is a very unique machine because it used this weird projection monitor mm. to give the game a very cool 3D look. Um and I remember when I first saw it, I didn't know about that game. This was probably, I was probably like 12 or 13. It was 89, 1990. And I saw the machine. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's the coolest thing ever. I must have blown $5 and quarters on nice. that right that day. So, so cool. yeah, man. Well, this has been awesome. I'm so yeah, glad dude. to finally like bust out into some nerdy tron and definitely check out tron uprising the uh show oh yeah the series i will i have disney plus so i will definitely check check into that um i never watched it and uh yeah i think you'll really like it it's it it, matt it mixes that 2d uh animation with the cgi kind of like um clone wars and um iron flux it's it's really cool okay very action-packed right on yeah, this has been awesome, dude. Thanks again. All right, Tony. Well, let's bust out of here. All right, guys. You've been listening to the Retro Futurist Culture, a production of Ruminations Radio Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We would love to connect with you on social media. You can hit me up on Twitter at Futurist Retro. Visit ruminationsradionetwork.com for additional great shows such as Ruminations of Red Rum, Oh God, I Heard, Cinephile, Hissy Fit, Tony's Tall Tales, Brevity Box. There's so many good shows, guys. Check us out. Support Ruminations Radio Network at our Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash ruminationsradio. For all of your questions, hit us up via email. Drop us a line, ruminationsradio at gmail.com. All right, Tony, you know what this means. End of line. (laughs) End of line. (laughs) 
out. <laughs> Peace.